perhaps we should say right up the top that if you know if any of our listeners are of a more conservative persuasion, this might not be the episode for you. If our listeners are of a more conservative persuasion, and you listened to our Iowa caucus episode, and you listened to our Goyve episode, and you listened to a few other episodes we did, then uh, thanks. This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Hello listeners, welcome to the Glenn Butler Spectacular. No, that's not the name of my podcast, it's been so long! Hello listeners, and welcome to the Glenn Butler Podcast Hour Spectacular, where we are just trying to get our bearings after being off for a, a very long time, and we're sorry about that. Are we? Well, I am. I am, kind of. <laughs> yes, a, uh, a great, great tragedy has befallen us that interrupted the flow of our spectacular. Yes, and, and what was that tragedy? I broke my ankle. You know... <laughs> so I haven't been available to, like, show up and record these things, and more importantly, edit them all together for you. Although I hear you've been doing episodes without me, in the meantime. I did one episode without you. Uh, many thanks, listeners, to anyone who listened to and commented on our uh, Stranger Things episode, which I was going to do without you anyway, because you didn't even watch it. How was it editing that episode? It was alright. Once I, uh, you know, got into it, about a week after we recorded, I was able to sit down with it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so I've been laid up in various medical facilities for nearly three months. That was not fun. No, I don't think that was fun for anyone. It it was uh, a long national nightmare indeed. (laughs) Oh, but our long national nightmare is only beginning. Of course, because you, uh left your various medical facilities, and came out into Trump's America. And how does it feel? It's kind of hard to get my bearings. It's difficult to keep my balance, because I have this giant thing glommed onto my leg to keep my ankle from completely collapsing. Yeah, I think that's basically how the country's going to be running for the next four to eight years. Yeah, we've all got a giant thing glommed onto one of our legs. Anytime the country tries to do anything, it's going to be difficult to keep its balance because it's got a giant orange thing glommed onto one of its legs. Yes, it's got a giant orange fascist thing glommed onto it. A giant, small-handed, sort of fascistic thing. I mean... Oh, God, we're so fucked. (laughs) 
I'm trying to get past that point. I'm trying to like talk myself down, and I'm, try, I'm trying to like get past that to something a little more intellectualized, a little more actionable. But I'm not the sort, uh, psychologically speaking, to really get past like giant blocks in that way. I, I just keep coming back to the point that we are so, so fucked. Yeah, I'm kind of more sanguine about this than you are because we survived W. Bush. I mean, it wasn't great, and, you know, a million Iraqis were killed, and that's not good, and we became a country that regularly tortures its prisoners, and that's not good, and he sort of piloted the drone warfare program that the Obama administration took to heights that shall never been seen, and that's not good, but... For the most part, the country survived W. Bush, so I am not that worried that we're not going to survive Trump. Plus, I have a sneaking suspicion that after four years of this shit, he's going to be sick of it and, like, not even run for re-election. Uh, he's not even going to be doing most of it. You know, he did, he's already skipping his security briefings. Pence is taking all of them. Pence, who might be one of the few people in the country who would be an even worse president, is going to be doing the work of presidenting. While... El Trumpo goes to his golf courses and advertises his hotels to foreign dignitaries and has his children run economic policy to benefit Trump Enterprises and all of these... Nearly starts a war with China over a phone call. Yes. <laughs> That's a remarkable achievement. <laughs> I'm so old. I remember when Bush got elected and people said, well, he's kind of dumb, but he's going to surround himself with, you know, good, sane people. You know, Colin Powell's there. We like him. You remember? I remember the 2000 election when we were all convinced it doesn't really matter who's president. Things are just going to sort of chug along as usual. And boy, howdy, did W. Bush teach us how wrong we were. But what I'm saying is, I remember when, when the line about Bush was, at least he's going to surround himself with all these advisors, they're going to be good, they're going to be sane, at least it's going to be okay. And it really, really, really wasn't. <laughs> Meanwhile, Trump is surrounding himself with, like, the worst flunkies imaginable. ExxonMobil CEO as, um... Nothing is going to, you know, nothing is going to surprise who he appoints. I mean, seriously, after Steve Bannon, who the hell else could he appoint to a position that would surprise you? Okay, yes, Steve Bannon, literal Nazi. Steve Bannon, literal white supremacist, white nationalist. Who is he going to appoint after that that's going to be a bigger surprise? Okay, see, I'm not talking about surprise. I'm talking about contempt. Well, who do you have more contempt for than literal white supremacist, white nationalist Steve Bannon? More? I'm not sure. Equal? There's always Pence, the one person Trump can't dump because yeah. he got elected too. Pence is an astonishingly awful human being. Perhaps we should say right at the top that if, you know, if any of our listeners are of a more conservative persuasion, this might not be the episode for you. If our listeners are of a more conservative persuasion and you listened to our Iowa caucus episode, and you listened to our Goyve episode, and you listened to a few other episodes we did, then, uh, thanks. <laughs> you know, I, 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 it, it, it's weird trying to think of, of conservatives listening to, to all these things, and 
watching as much Star Trek as we do because I used to be a neocon watching as much Star Trek as I did and taking part in a lot of these conversations. And so on the one hand, I kind of don't get how your mind works in that mindset. And on the other hand, I used to kind of be there. Yeah, your mind used to work in that way. Yes. Oh, oh, oh my God. 15 years ago, I would have been all about Trump. It, it, it would have been terrible. I mean, I... I, oh, God. I was sort of surprised when you started calling him El Trumpo, considering the reaction you had when, was it was it Noam Chomsky who wrote a book about the Bush-Cheney junta? Yes, yes it was. And you were not complimentary. I was 17 years old, first. <laughs> you did not appreciate that little linguistic trick. No, I didn't. And then after that, I started calling him El Presidente Bush just to piss you off. You do a lot of things just to piss me off. That's so fun. Yeah, I bet. You actually have a lot in common with Donald Trump, though, don't you? I mean, you both have small hands. You both have ridiculous hair. Yes. You both have a history of wildly oscillating political alignments. Well, I mean, I oscillated once. You know, and I like to think of that as a process of growing up and trying to become a decent human being. Hopefully we all try. Some of us just fail spectacularly. Oh, not spectacularly. Good job. I saw an article the other day that apparently El Presidente Trump is considering for the position of ambassador to Japan former New York Mets manager Bobby Valentine because he has experience working as a baseball manager for Japanese baseball teams. Sure, of course. <laughs> so, you know, he could manage all the economic negotiations that go on with a country like Japan. Sure, he has, his qualifications are as good as any other Trump appointee. Like Jefferson Beauregard Sessions for, God, Attorney General? Yes, a man who was too racist to be a federal judge is now going to be Attorney General. Congratulations, white people. Yeah, thanks, white people. If we've learned nothing else from this election... Let it always be known. White people will always pick white supremacy over their own economic self-interest. Or their own social interest. You know, Trump won white women overwhelmingly. There, there are a lot of... They want to be grabbed in the pussy, apparently. Oh my god. God, we're so fucked. Apparently that was a winning strategy. Billy Bush lost his job, but Trump won the presidency. Yeah, because with Trump, it's a, it's a fucking... Gatling gun of every day there are new offenses and new scandals and it just never stops and so it gets you fatigued. It certainly got the entire media infrastructure fatigued. Well the media infrastructure is just a fucking joke. They were they were a fucking joke from the Bush administration and they're still a fucking joke for Trump. There were a handful of articles that were published with headlines like, you know, these Trump policy proposals are awful. And they were all published, like, the week after the election. Now, like, more than a month after the election, all of these reports are coming out about uh, Russian interference in the election. As if this is some huge revelation and not something that you knew in the weeks leading up to the election if you were paying fucking attention. We knew this in July! We knew this before the conventions! 
The Russians were the ones leaking all those Hillary emails where, you know, Hillary would email someone about what do you want for lunch and then all the Trump people would say, put her in jail! The Russians were the ones leaking all of that. Everyone knew this for six months. I'm just, I'm still trapped in, in the despair spiral. It's very easy to get trapped in a despair spiral. Well, you're going to be there until at least January 2021. That's optimistic. I mean, I try not to indulge in, like, wacky conspiracy theories, except they're not conspiracy theories when they're actual factual conspiracies. I don't know if I'd go so far as to call it a conspiracy. Well, I guess there's a definitional issue. Is it a conspiracy when it happens in the open? And the candidate is yelling about it on Fox and Friends? Yeah, I mean, a conspiracy implies some sort of, like, secretive cabal operating in the shadows trying to hide itself from everyone. I, I doubt there was anything like a conspiracy involved in this. Unless you want to call the media's determination to prop up Trump as a sensible candidate as if he didn't have all these things swirling around him as a conspiracy. No, that's not a conspiracy. That's just... Like, Never ascribe to malice what can more easily be explained by incompetence. There's that, definitely, and also... Uh, what's the quote about it's very hard to make a man see something when his paycheck depends on him not seeing it? True. You know, if your job is to cover horse race politics and gin up ratings, then you're going to go where the ratings are, and you're not going to give the correct impression that one candidate is completely incompetent in every single way when that might impact the horse race aspects of your reporting. You know, the Chuck Toddification of all political reporting. <laughs> well, that is sort of the general criticism of political reporting. That, again, goes back to the Bush administration. That they just cover the horse race and don't actually cover anyone's policy proposals. We obviously have like direct first-hand experience of a small part of history. But it just seems like it keeps getting worse, you know? Trump is going to be worse than Bush, was worse than Reagan, was worse than Nixon. In an ever-declining scale of corruption and malice and... I don't, I don't even know. On the other hand, you can look at the other side and you could make an equally valid argument that Obama was a better president than Clinton, was a better president than Carter. So it seems, it seems to be remarkably divergent, where, where the good gets better and the bad gets worse. Do you think Trump... Well, Trump isn't even in office yet, so it's hard to judge, but do you think he's going to surpass Bush? It's generally agreed amongst most people that George W. Bush and James Buchanan were the two worst U.S. presidents. I mean, some people throw in their own pet candidate, but most people settle on one of those two. It's hard to argue against the James Buchanan argument that he literally broke the country, but there are still people on the W. Bush side. Do you think Trump will surpass them? I think that... It's definitely possible because of his volatility, because of his fickle attitude, because of his ever-shifting lines of bullshit. He's not exactly going to be a steady hand on the till. No. And to the extent that there's a steady hand, again, it's going to be fucking Pence. To an extent there's a steady hand, it's going to be Steve Bannon. Or who's that lunatic he nominated for defense? General Flynn? Yeah. Was it was it him or no? It was it was that it was his son 
that was tweeting about the child sex ring being run out of the pizza parlor in Washington, right? Yeah, speaking of conspiracy theories, you know, spe- speaking of people who will buy into literally any conspiracy theory that makes their political opponents sound bad. Has there been a conspiracy theory since the Watergate break-in that actually turned out to be true? Well, what about Iran-Contra? Was, was that a conspiracy? I was, I was just going to say, I'm not sure exactly how suspicions of that got started. But there, there was a large number of members of the Reagan cabinet that got investigated and prosecuted and eventually resigned. And eventually were pardoned by Bush Sr. Sure. He, I, on his way out of office, he pardoned a lot of Iran-Contra people. I remember that. Okay, that I didn't realize, but it makes was, sense. I was barely old enough to actually be paying attention to political news at that time, but I do remember seeing that on, on a news story that... You know, his last few days in office on his way out, after losing the election to Clinton, he did pardon a bunch of Iran-Contra people on his way out. And a bunch of savings and loan people. Oh, sure. God, can you imagine the people Trump will be pardoning? (laughs) Anyone who plays golf with him. Well, first he'll pardon anyone who plays golf with him. You think he'll pardon everyone who punched someone at one of his rallies? (laughs) That would be something he would do, wouldn't it? Just to make a point. Yeah. Can he pardon himself? Well, that depends on whether he's ever prosecuted. Oh, yeah, I guess most of his rape accusers had to drop the case because they couldn't afford the lawyers. Well, they couldn't afford the lawyers, and the death threats got to be too many. Stay classy, Republicans. Yeah, it's it's terrifying. God, it's terrifying. And, and again, it's easy to get trapped in a terror spiral. Well, get ready for the huge spike in hate crimes that will in no way be investigated or prosecuted by the Jeff Sessions Justice Department. It's already here. Since the election. It's, it's, it's already here. There's a huge spike in hate crimes. Yeah. But that's... Wait till he's actually president. God, we're so fucked. <laughs> so, like, do we have anything intelligent to say, or are we just sort of spitballing our despair well the reason we're doing this in the first place is because i decided that it would feel wrong to go right back to here's a happy fun time podcast about movies and whatever tv show i watched this week without acknowledging the the despair spiral and the terror spiral our long national nightmare is now beginning yeah basically i mean at some point you think how do you go on You know? What are we supposed to do? Well, it depends if you want to get involved in activism or if you just want to go on with your life. Well, just going on with your life is how fascism succeeds. So, if you want to get involved in activism, there are many organizations aligned against him. You can go volunteer your time, you can join protest marches, you can give money to various organizations. I'm sure the ACLU will be in need of funds in the years to come. I'm sure the Southern Poverty Law Center will be in need of funds in the years to come. If you can find a competent Democratic candidate to support, I'm not sure I would advise giving money to the Democratic Party because they're not going to use it well, but you know, there are organizations. Yeah, I fear we may have a shortage of competent Democrats in the future. There are some who are already standing up, and that's great, but there are a lot who are just knuckling under already, preemptively. Yeah. It's it's sort of ironic that, to some extent, and this is a bit of hyperbole, but to some extent, the future of the Republic hangs on how much of an asshole Chuck Schumer is willing to be. Well, that might actually work out, because he is a huge asshole. Will he filibuster literally everything? 
he does have the potential to be a huge asshole. Will he filibuster literally everything, or will he try to, you know, let's work with the president and try to accomplish things together? I remember when Chuck Schumer first ran for the Senate in the 90s, and he won. He defeated the incumbent Senator Al D'Amato because Al D'Amato made a couple of anti-Semitic comments about him. And now he has to oppose Steve Bannon's agenda. And now Steve Bannon is the fucking White House Chief of Staff. And, I mean, that's something that most people in the U.S. should be able to do, too. I mean, at the very least, you know, get on the phone to your representatives and your senators and your local representatives and your governor and all, and all of these people. Yeah, because if... there are little ways that they can oppose the Trump agenda and all of the terrible things that can affect everyone in the country. Yeah, we are lucky enough to live in a state that is mostly... Well, at this point, I think it's completely Democratic-controlled. On the on the federal level and, like, on the state, state, level, state government. I mean, our governor is yeah. a Democrat. The uh, state legislature has Democratic majorities. So we will be somewhat insulated from the worst of the Trump agenda. No, we are coastal elitists, right? Born and bred. Yeah. You know, those goddamn coastal elitists who prize competency and intelligence... But yeah, if you're lucky enough to have Democratic representatives in your government, write to them and call their office and entreat them to please oppose every single thing the Republicans tried to do in the strongest possible way. From everything I've seen from people who actually work for congressional staffs and legislative staffs, uh, calling is much more important than writing. Uh, letters or especially emails. They don't give a crap about emails. Yeah. But even writing a letter... Those just get sorted into, like, whatever category of issue you are writing about, and you get a form letter reply. If you call the office, uh, their local office or their Washington office, if they're a federal official, you talk to an actual person, and an actual person takes down, there's this person lives in this district, and they have this opinion on this issue. You know, you actually talk to a person and that person, like, prepares reports for the senator or the representative or whoever. So calling for everything I've heard is much more important. So there you go. If if you're lucky enough to have a Democratic senator, call their office and beg them to filibuster. Even if you're represented by Republicans, you know... They're not going to listen. They're not going to listen, but you should try to let them know that they don't just have angry racist white people in their districts. They won the election. They obviously have enough angry racist white people in their districts. Yes, but there's an there's also an element of passive aggression to it, too, I suppose. I'm sort of looking at it from a purely practical perspective. I doubt there's going to be a lot of Republican defection when Trump tries to repeal Obamacare. When Trump tries to repeal Medicare. When, oh, yeah, yeah. Paul Ryan's coming for your Medicare and Paul Ryan's coming for your Social Security. Yeah, when Trump tries to repeal Social Security. When Trump tries to appoint David Duke to the Supreme Court. I doubt there's going to be a lot of Republican defection from those votes. So we need to get the Democrats to fucking filibuster everything. That's, a, that's another thing. That's another thing that is just so amazing to me. That they blocked Merrick Garland for a year and it worked. You know, you can you can list any abhorrent thing that any Republican said or did, and it worked. It all worked. Yep. They they blocked everything for the entire Obama presidency, and now it worked. This is the world we live in. 
Congratulations, white people. Oh my god. I can't wait until we're not the majority anymore. God, we're so fucked. It doesn't even matter. It does it doesn't even it doesn't even matter if we're not in the majority because uh with uh voter suppression laws. Oh yeah, because the Supreme Court struck down the Voting Rights Act. Yeah, basically. Because who needs voting rights? I how much of a difference do you think that was this year in North Carolina in Wisconsin? Well, it it wasn't really in effect in Wisconsin anyway. Really? Really? You, you think the voter ID laws in Wisconsin didn't suppress turnout in Milwaukee and Madison? Well, I'm sure they did, but the voting right, the part of the Voting Rights Act that they struck down was specifically the strict supervision of elections in former Confederate states. Yeah, but that sort of scrutiny was applied to other states as well when they passed the same sorts of laws. No, not necessarily. The other states were not under the same scrutiny because they were not perceived to have the same history of voter suppression. There were similar laws in various states, I don't remember if it was specifically Wisconsin, that were struck down just in time for the 2012 election. So, I mean, these things have an effect. Even even in, in North Carolina this year, they got rid of their Republican governor and yet still, you know, pretty securely went for Trump? How does that make sense? How does anybody voting for Trump make sense? How does any American supporting Trump to be the president of America make sense? I think it's time we stop, children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Voice of Ring of Honors, Kevin Kelly here. I just want to make sure you're all subscribed to all of our great feeds here at Place to Be Nation. Now, it's really easy to do. Just head to iTunes or your preferred podcatcher app today and search for and subscribe to the Place to Be Nation Wrestling feed, Place to Be Nation Pop feed, Pro Wrestling Only feed, and of course, the Kevin Kelly Show feed, which includes the full archives of my podcast. Subscribe, listen, and then rate us and leave feedback today. And of course, as always, enjoy all the great action of Ring of Honor Wrestling and everything presented to you on placetobenation.com. Place to Be Nation's JT Rosero here, and I want to let you know that we have a ton of great podcasts available to you on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and placetobenation.com, and we offer them to you across two great feeds. On the Place to Be Nation wrestling feed, you can check out Scott Criscolo and me on the Mothership, the Place to Be podcast with our famous vintage wall pay-per-view reviews. PTBN also covers current-day wrestling with the smash hit clotheslines and headlines our steady veteran main event, and the beloved monthly pay-per-view reaction shows with immediate feedback on all pro wrestling super shows. We live wrestling's past with our monthly pay-per-view rewind series led by Ben Morse, the always contentious Dangerous Alliance podcast, and Survey Says, a fun look back at the good, bad, and ugly of WCW. On our very popular Place to Nation Pop podcast feed, we offer such great shows as the Glenn Butler Podcast Hour Spectacular, Rank and File, NBA Team, Lucha Undead, Geek and Sassy, and a veritable podcast heaven for comic fans with hard-traveling fanboys, Sellers Points, Todd Weber's Conversation, and Imaginary Stories. Subscribe to both of those feeds on iTunes and rate and leave feedback for us as well. All of these shows plus others available at PlayStation.com where we cover pro wrestling, sports, movies, comics, plus tournaments, and more. Be sure to support our site by using PlayStation.com backslash Amazon when doing your online shopping and download our free Place to Be Vintage Vault refresh ebooks via the links on the right-hand side of our site. We also want to thank our friends at Bonehead's Wing Bar in West Rock, Rhode Island and Fall River, Massachusetts, TheHistoryOfWrestling.com, and Scott Keats' Blog of Doom. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr as well. PlaceToBeNation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. 
PWO PTBN feed has changed its name, now known simply as Pro Wrestling Only, so it should be easier to find and indeed to say. All of your favourite shows are still here, including Where the Big Boys Play, Letters from Kayfabe, Titans of Wrestling, Tag Teams Back Again, This Week in Wrestling and many, many more, including our full archives of tremendous content. So make sure you subscribe to the Pro Wrestling Only feed today. before that I had lots of very stupid, terrible opinions when I was a teenager. Here's why I would have liked him when I was a teenager and a neocon. Because he's mean to the press. Because he's mean to the press. That's why you loved Rumsfeld. I respected him for a time. It was, oh God, I was so awful. The people, the people I liked the most in that administration were Rumsfeld and Condi Rice. <laughs> why Condi? I, I thought she was whip smart. And, and had a good head on her shoulders. I was... Well, I, she is smart. She just somehow lets it lead her to awful policy actions. Sure, yes. But the, the reason why I would have been all about Trump when I, when I was a stupid teenage neocon was one, he was mean to the press, and two, he pisses liberals off. And mm-hmm. when your main interest in life is pissing off liberals, it doesn't matter what he actually thinks about anything. Well, I'm glad that 40-something percent of the electorate doesn't care about any of his actual policy positions. You see uh, coal miners in uh, Appalachia getting upset about things that Trump is saying now as opposed to things he said during the campaign, as if, of fucking course, he doesn't actually give a shit about actual people. Are you kidding me? He doesn't give a shit about anyone other than him and, you know, his billionaire friends who play golf with him. That's why he's appointing Vince McMahon's wife to be, what is she doing, Small Business Administration? Yeah, she's the administrator of the Small Business Administration, uh, Linda McMahon, who obviously has a lot of experience running a small business because of the WWE, which... It was really surprising to me. I read, I read the article, well, I read one of the articles about that appointment, and it mentioned that WWE has 800 employees. Mm-hmm. I used to work for a non-profit company in New Haven that had like a thousand employees, and that was a piddly shit little nothing company. And, and they only had a thousand employees, and somehow WWE has 800? What the fuck? Well, those are full-time employees. Everyone else is an independent contractor. Well, still, it's amazing to me. I mean, she's, she's running the Small Business Administration, and her previous experience is running a company that blatantly abuses independent contractor status and has made efforts to bully competitors out of the market and, and whatever you want to say about WWE's business practices. Also, because their workers are independent contractors and not employees, 
there's nothing stopping them from blacklisting anyone who tries to start a union. Yeah. You, you, you can't retaliate against employees, but there's nothing saying you can't retaliate against independent contractors. Oh, yeah, there are a few people they, they fired in the 80s for trying to start a union. I mean, they came back, everyone comes back eventually, but they didn't try to start a union again. <laughs> well, you know, you really think there's going to be unions by the time we get around to 2020? Oh, there's barely unions now. Yeah, I guess that's something else you can do if you want to uh, dip your toes into activism. Start a union. I say that like it's easy. Yeah, wherever you work, if you're not a union member, start up a union at your job. Maybe I should try to find out like how that works at all. I don't know, my little division of my company just got sold. I'm not sure if they would like it if we tried to start a union. Well, no management would like it if anyone started a union. Or joined one. Yeah. The whole coal miner thing seemed really weird to me. Really? Because there was that whole controversy where Clinton said something like, we need to invest in new energy solutions so that we don't spend all our time burning coal. And then mm-hmm. the coal miners got all pissed off at her, like, no, we should burn more coal! Because I want this Appalachian coal mine to be out of the coast! I've never been a coal miner, so I'm, maybe I'm talking out of my ass, but I mean, what kind of person kills themselves in a coal mine, gets buried in a mine collapse because the company spends bullfuck nothing on safety, Watch gets it. black lung disease by the age of 32... And then says, no, we need to continue this so that my children can also be coal miners. What the fuck? I mean, my perspective might be kind of skewed based on our father. I know there are some fathers who are like, you know, I've killed myself by the age of 35 at this backbreaking labor that I'm paid nothing for and I want my son to do the same thing. I know there are some people like that and I have no understanding of those people at all because our father was the complete polar opposite. Our father was a a carpenter and construction worker. He worked on construction sites for 40 years. And he told us, if you grow up and you have to bust your ass as hard as I do, you are a fucking failure. You go to school and you learn something and you get paid to sit in an office and think. Don't you dare get stuck working as hard as I have to. And so I don't understand these coal miners that want to perpetuate the coal mining industry. Well, that goes back to the oft-quoted point about the economic anxiety of Trump voters. Clinton says we should stop ruining the environment by burning coal and stop killing all the workers by sending them down into these unsafe mines. We should switch to other energy that's cleaner and safer and cheaper. And the coal miner's like, no, we want to kill the environment and kill ourselves. That's beyond my understanding. Then again, anyone that voted for a Republican is also beyond my understanding. Maybe my understanding is rather narrow. (laughs) That's a whole other area in which, once again, we are so, so fucked. (laughs) Even more than nobody's been doing a damn thing about climate change, nobody is going to do a damn thing about climate change. The new head of the EPA is a climate change denier. In the EPA... The new NASA administrator is obviously going to cut back all of the information gathering and research that NASA does on global climate. Is the new NASA administrator a flat earther? Wouldn't put it past him. (laughs) Well, this house is several dozen feet above sea level. We should be okay for a while. 
Yeah, okay. By we are so fucked, I mean a, a little more expansive we. <laughs> that includes people who aren't even in this room as we record. I'm just saying, you know, when the sea level rises and half of this town is underwater, I'm pretty sure we will be in the half that's not. Doesn't exactly put my mind at ease. <laughs> I mean, by the end of the century, maybe this part of the town will be underwater, but we probably won't be around by then anyway. Well, that's one comfort to have, right? Eventually, the uh, climatological catastrophe is going to end or severely curtail human civilization as we know it anyway. Eventually, Washington, D.C. will be buried under the waters. You mean they won't be able to drain the swamp? <laughs> I mean, Washington, I mean, they're right on the coast, they're right on the river. Washington actually was a swamp before they built the city there, so I'm fairly confident that once the seas start rising, Washington will be drowned. So we have that to look forward to. Cool, cool. Cool, cool. No more San Francisco, no more Miami, no more New York. No more New Orleans. No more New Orleans, no more Los Angeles. No more Miami. I just said Miami. I don't pay attention when you talk. Are you going to list all the countries in Europe? All over Europe tonight. So, is there anything that we can hope for? Is there any cause for optimism left in the world? We can hope Chuck Schumer filibusters the shit out of the Senate. We can hope that by 2020 all the Trump people will forget to vote. We can hope that we get a lot more immigrants and Eventually, the white people will be outvoted. Well, there's one thing to think about. In 2005, George W. Bush went after Social Security, and the Democratic Party, to its credit, for once in our miserable lives, all stood up, all decided on a strategy of intransigence, and blocked completely Bush's plan to voucherize, privatize, Social Security, and that kind of kick-started the um, resurgence in 2006 and ultimately 2008. So, when Paul Ryan comes for our Medicare next year, maybe there's some hope that Chuck Schumer was part of that in 05. He's going to be minority leader. Nancy Pelosi was part of that in 2005. She's minority leader. Hopefully, they remember all of that and remember how that worked out, and there's still hope to save some things. There, there are some elements of our country that can be retained and that can survive. Can I just say how thankful I am that I had my medical emergency during this brief shining moment when Obamacare existed? Oh, yeah. Thanks, Obama. Oh, yeah, totally. That all went amazingly. Yeah, I had got my ankle pieced back together and we didn't have to sell the house to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. All because... You know, you didn't have health insurance, we went to the hospital, and someone came over from another department while we were still in the emergency room and said, Would you like to sign up for the Affordable Care Act? <laughs> yes, I would. <laughs> you know, it started signing up for Obamacare right there. It, they were on the ball because the hospital wants to get paid too, and that's the only way they will. Yes. But... Still, as soon, as soon as that came in, that was such a relief for you, such a relief for me. And yes, it, it is a brief, shining moment when that was possible in this country. So yeah, thanks Obama. Thanks Obama. Thanks for my ability to walk and my continued ownership of a home. Both at the same time.
And I mean, obviously, we have lots of criticisms of Obama, but that all feels pretty quaint now, doesn't it? Well, here's one criticism of Obama. Don't you wish he kind of would have gone after all the evils of the Bush administration rather than just sweeping everything under the carpet and saying, let's look forward, not backward? I mean, yes. You think that might have had an impact on the rise of Trump? If we spent two years investigating and exposing all the torture that we'd done as a country, all the murders we committed as a country, all the astonishingly bungled foreign policy decisions that we made as a country, if we took the time to investigate all of that and expose all of that, do you think maybe, maybe that could have tipped things eight years later? I really don't know if that would have made a positive impact, like in the mainstream consciousness. Because it definitely, not doing that, left the impression for many that W. Bush wasn't that bad. And if you have the belief that W. Bush wasn't that bad, then it's not such a leap to say that Trump won't be that bad. But equally, if you have the belief that Bush wasn't that bad, and all of these criticisms of him were just whining liberals continuing to whine, then once the whining liberals get elected and have all their commissions and, and prosecutions and such, you still think that's just liberals whining. And so I don't... Some people would. Yeah, Trump's base. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to wrap my head around still the extent to which facts don't matter. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's... Obama said facts don't matter when he said ignore the facts, let's look forward, not at the facts. Honestly, once we get some perspective, once it's been 5-10 years, that may be the single biggest criticism of his administration. That or his drone strikes. Well, sure. I mean, I agree, I just don't know how much of an impact it would have had. Couldn't have hurt. I mean, like the Republicans didn't spend the entirety of the 1990s investigating the Clintons. Like a bunch of Trump supporters don't want to start off their administration by trying to prosecute Hillary for the email server? Yeah, she's been under investigation again for the last several years for bullshit just as tenuous as anything the Clintons were investigated for in the 90s. I mean, wow. there's there's a whole there's a whole segment of the Republican Party that has been investigating the Clintons on the most tenuous stuff they can find for the last 25 years. Yeah. And it, and it only stopped for, like, a couple of years during the Bush administration, I guess. Well, no, because she was a senator at that time, so they weren't letting off then. Well, they weren't actively investigating her then, is what I mean. All of that is, you know, some of the reasons why maybe she wasn't the best candidate to choose. <sighs> That's something else. Everyone is sort of casting about for what caused this, and everyone is casting blame around at everyone. Not enough people are blaming her and her campaign. She's the one who lost... Maybe she bears some of this, too. I mean, when Scott Brown beat Martha Coakley, everyone was all quick to blame Martha Coakley for running an inept campaign and losing to this schmuck Scott Brown. Hillary Clinton ran a campaign that lost to Donald fucking Trump. She deserves some blame for that. Her campaign manager deserves blame for that. All of her top advisors deserve blame for that. They ran a campaign that lost to Donald Trump. I don't know if Sanders would have won. He, no. He, I don't think he would have been the best national candidate either, but the fact remains, she's the one who lost. She deserves some of this blame. Could you imagine if the voluminous heaps of misogyny directed at Clinton during the whole campaign after she won the primaries had instead transmuted into heaving heaps of anti-Semitism if Sanders had won? 
would have been kind of par for the course. Especially once Bannon was in the mix. <laughs> I mean, th- there was... Trump was using uh, anti-Semitic imagery about Clinton. And she's not even Jewish. She just talked to a banker once. Oh, banker? Well, you know about them. Yeah, such as the ones Trump is staffing his administration with. <laughs> but whatever. Facts don't matter. I kind of feel like there is not room left in my soul for more analysis of Hillary Clinton. I feel like there really isn't. I mean, yes, her campaign uh, made some unfortunate strategic decisions. She probably should have done more speeches in Wisconsin. And Well, that's pretty clear. And how do you run a Democratic presidential campaign in the year of our Lord Beyonce 2016 and lose Pennsylvania? How do you win Virginia but lose Pennsylvania? Well, you know how you lose Pennsylvania? You have depressed turnout in Philadelphia and increased turnout in the western three-quarters of the state. Just like you lose Wisconsin by having depressed turnout in Madison and Milwaukee and increased turnout in... Everywhere else. Basically. Because those white people really want to get out there and vote for Trump. And and the same in Detroit. You know, you, you, you have depressed turnout in core areas with a lot of the Democratic base and increased turnout in other areas. And it just... Those states, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, that won the election for Trump, each of those went by, like, less than 1%. So did Florida. And yet Clinton won by 3 million votes. Well, yeah, a national popular vote. It's amazing how there was depressed turnout for the most unpopular Democratic nominee in history. Please, please. (sighs) Although she does continue the trend. No Democrat that supported the Iraq War will ever make it into the White House. Or Republicans, though, who cares? Well, Republicans still think that was a good idea. Republicans still think Saddam did 9-11. And they think Trump will keep the government out of Medicare. You think he's going to find the weapons of mass destruction? <laughs> we know where the weapons of mass destruction are. They're in the area of Baghdad and in northeast, south, and west. That's what your hero said. You know, about 10-15 minutes ago I was trying to end this on a note of hope. And then you started talking about campaign strategy. If you think this was bad, just wait until you see the awful shit Democrats do in 2020 because they take every wrong lesson from what happened in 2016. Well, there's even, there's still the Senate runoff campaign going on in Louisiana. The National Party hasn't done a damn thing about that. Because, like, do they even have someone leading the National Party yet? Who knows? Even if they did, would it make a difference? Depends greatly on, on who it is and what their strategic ideas are and... Who's going to lead the party? I hear Howard Dean is running for DNC chairman again. Ooh. And if this was 2006, I might support him. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he did okay in 2006. He did really good. He did really good from when he took over after the 04 election until Obama kicked him out. I mean, he was the one in charge of the party when they had the 2006 congressional takeover and the 08 presidential win. Yeah. So, in conclusion, we are so, 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 so fucked. Is that going to be the title of this episode? No, you know what the title of this episode is. But even as we are so fucked, there are things that you can do in your homes and in your communities. I'm trying to end on some semblance of hope and some semblance of a call to action, but I just don't have it in me. You know, there are things you can do. There are charities that need your money and your time if you have it. 
Call your representatives, call your senators, call your governors, call all of your elected officials, and love each other. I don't know. We're fucked. Come on, people now. Smile on your brother. Everybody get together. Try to love one another right now. We'll try to return to happier things on future episodes. Maybe we'll do another Star Wars episode. If there's anything you would like to hear us talk about here on the Glenn Butler Podcast, our spectacular, you can contact me. You can comment on the Place to Be Nation Facebook page on the uh, post for this episode. You can reach me on Twitter at Glennybun or on Tumblr at the same. Scott, is there any way you want people to reach you? No. I never introduced you at the beginning of the episode, did I? Hey everyone, Scott's here. And good night. <laughs> Come on, people now. Smile on your brother. Everybody get together. Try to love one another right now. Come on, people now. Smile on your brother. Everybody get together.